Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, it's Pastor Brad Mathias, and I'm with you here, Season 4 of Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and my sidekick, Robert Beeson, is in in the house. Hi, Brad. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm feeling good. I had a big lunch. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I watched you scarf that down. Quesadillas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did, too. Well, you know, Robert, can can you explain to me exactly what skill it takes to be a chef? Because I don't have any of them. No, I can't. You can't explain it? There's <laughs> nope. no there's no like tutorial for people like there's me? There's plenty of tutorials, but... Um, what do you recommend? Is there like a place you go for your recipes and stuff? Uh, no. I, well, you know what? Come on, man. Do you just make them up in your head? No, no. Um, nowadays, there are so many resources out there for cooking. Like it's just, if you Google like... Uh, whatever it is, uh, fettuccine Alfredo. And then all these recipes. So what I do is I, I'll do that. If I'm thinking, I want to try to make something like frog legs or something, I Google that. And then I just kind of compare frog, recipes. I'm kidding. I'm, that's outrageous. I would never do that. Um, so then you just kind of go, oh, that's kind of the primary ingredients or whatever. And then you just play. That's, so what you do is you have fun with that. See, now when I think about what I'm going to cook, it's stress. Twitter, it's like KFC, uh, <laughs> Bojangles, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, or Chick-fil-A. Like, mm. Which one of those is going to fit tonight on the drive home? That's Yeah, I get that. Well, that, that happens. And if I'm feeling too. really gourmet, I might even stop at a Kroger and wow. you know, go do in there. Do a prepared there. meal? Yeah, maybe mm. do that. Maybe grab a bag of salad, something really exciting like that. Mm. Wow. I'm slightly jealous of come to your, your food skills. Yeah. Well, folks, if you didn't know, if you haven't been following along, welcome to Brilliantly Brave. Robert and I aren't the quite right. The podcast of very random conversations. Yeah, we aren't quite no right, idea. but we love Jesus and we're parents, and so we are qualified to talk about parenting. Mm. Speaking of being qualified, I'm excited about this interview. She's written a few books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about parenting. That's right. Ironically. Yes, our guest today is Kristen Hatton. Welcome, Kristen, to the crazy Brilliantly Brave guys. Thank you. I'm excited to be on here with y'all today. It's awesome to have you. So tell us, where are you joining us from? Where are you located at? I live in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is more or less a suburb of Oklahoma City. Got it. I am a Texas girl in my heart. Mm. So are you a Sooner? Do you have that battle in your home between the Sooners and... You know, we don't because we've lived here now nine years, but we came from Texas, so we don't have any... Oklahoma allegiances. So there's no Red River Valley rivalry for you? Uh, well, with my friends, yes, okay. because I still would say I would root more for the Longhorns. So you're a, a house unified. That's good. Okay. Yeah. All yes. right. Well, we uh, are familiar with that area as uh, members of the iShine team. Robert and I have toured a lot on that 40 corridor all the mm-hmm. way across to Amarillo and out to Albuquerque and other we love places. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma's got that. You start to feel like you're in the West, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a great place. We love it here. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you for taking the time out to share with us and our audience. I know you have a passion for ministry to teens, and you're just finishing up your third book. Tell our audience just a little bit about these books you've written and why you're so focused on that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll start with this. I never thought I would be an author. So when we moved to Oklahoma, my daughter was going into sixth grade 
and we were starting a church. My husband's a, a uh, pastor. So we would have no youth group and she knew no one in her big public school. And so I decided to start a girl's Bible study. And so right away, I discovered two things. One was there was not a lot of curriculum for teenagers. And the second was, as I got into doing this with these girls, I realized even though they're growing up in the church, they cannot communicate to me what the gospel is. And so that led me to start taking my husband's sermons and writing my own Bible study lessons. And eventually, my first book was born out of that. My first book is Get Your Story Straight. So I really just kind of developed this newfound passion as my children became teenagers, realizing there's not a lot of gospel-centered content for them. Uh, my second book came on the heels of that first one because in the process of editing, get your story straight, my daughter confided in us that she was struggling with an eating disorder. Hmm. And I was really just shocked, to be honest, because here I am, her Bible study leader, my husband's a pastor. If you saw her, I mean, she, from a world standpoint, everything was going for her. She made good grades. She's pretty. She has lots of friends. And so I just thought, gosh, if she is struggling with this, how many other girls must be struggling with this too? And that led me to conduct an online anonymous teen survey that just was very eye-opening and heartbreaking, to be honest. And um, that kind of became the backbone of my second book, FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. And that one's just for girls. And now my third book that's coming out in July is The Gospel-Centered Life in Exodus for Students. And it is a Bible study in the book of Exodus. Wow. So... You have taken the things that you've learned as a parent or are learning, um, and you've, you've sort of repositioned them from just your own knowledge to something that would be shared with other people. That takes some courage because you're having to sort of admit that you needed help at some point, right? Absolutely. It, w- it was pretty scary because I think well, as a pastor's wife, people – kind of have an assumption about what your family might be like. And um, even my daughter, when she was in middle school, she would have comments um, from other people like, your dad's a pastor. I can't believe you did that. So automatically you kind of people just assume for, I don't know why that we don't sin like everybody else does. Um, so yeah, to be vulnerable and showing that we don't have it all figured out and we are sinful and we mess up too. Um, but it's been a really sweet place because I feel like in being vulnerable, we've really had a lot of people confide in us and especially um, with her eating disorder and some other issues um, that other people had not felt free to share and didn't know where to turn. And we've really kind of just developed a ministry that way um, that kind of started from just taking off the mask and dealing honestly with it. That's a scary thing to do. And I applaud you for for doing that because I do think that a lot of people uh, play these roles and try to pretend like they've got it all together. And um, especially since, you know, social media has come into such uh, prominence, it's uh, we compare ourselves to all kinds of other people. And to kind of take off the mask and say, no, we're just people too, takes a, um, a significant step of of courage. And um, I, I think as a result of that, I'm, I, I'm certain that you have found um, so many other people that are in the same place of trying to trying to hold it all together. And as parents, we try to do that sometimes too. So I think that the road to being transparent and embracing the struggles that you go through is is a really powerful testimony to other people that, that are facing the same kind of thing. 
Absolutely. And I do feel like parents are just so afraid. And I mean, we all pray too to the same things our teenagers do of comparing ourselves to others. And we look at other families and think they have it all together and that their kids aren't struggling with the same thing our kids are. And so it's really helpful for us to see, no, we're all in the same boat. We Mm -hmm. all need Jesus. We all have these issues. None of us have it together. And when we go there, then we have a lot more compassion on other people. We can better understand like, okay, I, they get it. I get it. We're, we're in this together. We don't have it all figured out. We all need Jesus. One of the quotes I read in, in one of your uh, bios is this idea that we need to take our masks off and that we need to stop pretending with our kids and with each other. How, how does that look in your life? You've, You've been through this a little bit. How would you encourage a, a parent who's feeling the pressure to be perfect to sort of live the ideal? How do they transition from the ideal fake parent to a real, authentic, vulnerable parent? How do you do that? Well, we talk a lot in our family about living redemptively. And I feel like we have to go first. My husband and I have to first confess and be honest about our sin and our struggles to our mm-hmm. kids. Because if our kids look at us and think that we have it all together or they don't see um, us admitting to our sin, then they're going to cover up theirs as well. And so a lot of people too have said to my daughter that they um, wish that they could talk as freely with their parents as she does with us. But I, I really believe it goes back to our vulnerability with our kids. I mean, if if we're able to go to them and confess and ask for forgiveness and talk about grace and what it looks like um, to give grace and to get grace with one another in our household, it just changes the dynamics of what it looks like in our family. And then I think that carries out into, um, you know, the world at large is just in other relationships as we're interacting with others. You know, I noticed also in, in the discussion earlier, as I was reading, preparing for the the interview today, that you had a description about the silly club and the serious club. And, yes. And this idea that there is, there's a transition that's occurring or has occurred in your home where you might have started in a serious club, but now you're in the silly club. Tell us about that. What What's the silly club? Yeah, that started years ago when my children were little, and I was pretty serious and <laughs> My husband was the one that was having all the fun with the kids, and they just kind of came up with this idea that I was the sole member of the serious club, and they were all in the silly club together. <laughs> and so it just was kind of a running joke, and they would be silly. And if I would even try, they were like, no, you're in the serious club. And it was normally true. I was very much about like, you know, it's time for bed. Y'all need to do this. Always kind of telling them what they need to do and not having a whole lot of grace and freedom to just be more spontaneous. But I feel like as I have come to rest more in God's grace and understand the doctrine of justification, I've been freed to um, be a little sillier. I mean, it sounds silly, like that doesn't even connect. But I just think when we get God's grace, and we don't have to feel like I have to measure up, and I have to be perfect, and I have to get it all done perfectly, then there's just more freedom to just enjoy each other and not be so worried about the rules and doing it all right. And I'm not saying, you know, to sin. I'm just saying to just the freedom that comes when we rest in who Jesus is for us. Yeah. Not taking ourselves too serious. You know, I, I think especially in ministry, you have to walk that line of, um, 
what you represent as, you know, as a leader or someone that people look up to, including your kids. And so sometimes I know for me, it's really important to just put that aside and go get over yourself, Robert, you know, you can just kind of cut loose and, and just be normal. And I think that really, well, I don't think I've seen that really break some of the tensions in our family. Um, as far as like, okay, they're, they're normal. Um, I, I have kind of a question for you, not to put you on the spot, but what, as I'm hearing you talk about sharing your, your weakness and the struggles that you have, and even apologizing to your kids, one of the things that I know parents deal with is, you know, especially as you get towards the teenage years, knowing the mistakes that you made as a parent in those teenage years and, um, maybe boundaries that you crossed or sins that happened or how much is too much to share with our kids. And the reason I'm asking is um, a lot of times I have felt the pressure um, of feeling like, okay, if I admit the fact that I did this or I struggled with this, then I'm kind of giving, I'm condoning the, the road for them to experiment because my dad did that or my mom did that. And so we have this pressure of kind of keeping up the mask of, we have it all together, not only now, but we never did anything stupid. And so how do you walk that line? How much is too much to share? And, and when do you share that? Is that something that you have to be asked about? Or is that something that's important to, to have dialogue about? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it probably varies a little bit from family to family and, and incident to incident. But um, I do think it's important that our kids understand that we understand them. Because if they think that we never messed up as a kid or as mm. a teenager, then they're going to be more prone to hide what they're doing. But if they get that, okay, mom and dad did this, um, and they've heard from us about how the gospel has changed us or how sorry we were or how the consequences of mm. some of those actions, um, then I don't think it's going to drive them to, to excuse themselves and being like, oh, well, it's okay if I do this because mom and dad did. I think that that's where then we have to go further and not just say, oh yeah, I did that too, but explain like how that's affected us. Like maybe, you know, what later in life has been a regret because of some of the things that we may have done when we were younger. Hmm. Um, I do think too, though, we don't need to overshare it. It kind of depends on maybe what each of our kids are struggling with and how old they are. I mean, I haven't just openly said to each of my kids, you know, X, Y, Z, I kind of wait until they're at a certain age or they're seeing some friends struggling with certain issues or that's their tendency. And then we have those just conversations. They just kind of come naturally. Interesting. I, you know, as I'm listening, Robert, you've got six kids. I've got three. Mine are grown. Yours are kind of in and out of the house. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's definitely that sort of tension between, you know, are you your child's best friend yeah. or are you the parent? And that really changes at different stages and ages. It's true. I mean, it's not the same all the way through. I mean, no. you know, I'm curious, Kristen, as you've, you've parented some kids yourself, did you see those things change, you know, in the high school, junior high years? Yes. I, and I am still seeing it change. My daughter is now um, halfway through college and it's just been really neat to see as she has gone off and is away now, just the, how our relationship is changing. But so much of it is because of, 
I feel like the discipline and the trust, I mean, because I did not try to be her best friend when she was younger. I mean, it was very, you know, we were structured and set that we're her authority and we wanted her to understand the gospel. But now she is an adult and we are, the dynamics are changing. And I'm seeing that with my sons too. My um, middle child just turned 17 and just to see how he's maturing and becoming an adult and, and we're starting to talk more, um, talk to him differently than we would have when maybe he was a 13 year old. Yeah. I, I know for myself, uh, I'm a pastor. And so a lot of times I get asked questions on Sundays after the service, you know, I'll have a mom or or dad come up and ask some questions like, you know, my 14 year old or my 16 year olds driving me crazy. You know, he, they're doing something or they're wanting to date someone I don't approve of. And I don't think, you know, and they're asking for advice and, and I can see the tension that builds in them because they're, they're trying to retain that sort of best friend experience, you know, as the younger child that they've been raising and they're realizing they can't, like there is a moment where you actually have to draw a line in the sand and sort of be the bad guy and say no to them. Uh, you can't do that. You can't go spend the night at someone's house and not have adult supervision. You can't go into a mixed slumber party or whatever that is. And, and, and I'm remembering a specific mom in a specific case just last week where her son, you know, was 15, I think. And he wanted to go to a slumber party that, you know, had girls and guys. Really? Yeah. And he I just, have not heard of that. He just couldn't understand why his mom was concerned about that. Huh. You know, he, he just absolutely floored him that his mom would be so, you know, old school, I guess, uh, and prudish. And she was really torn up because she she didn't want him to be mad at him, hmm. you know. And I, it sort of reminds me that there is a need for for some clarity, maybe for some parents out there who are trying to find, you know, what is the balance between being the parent and being the friend, and where are those boundary lines, and are they worth it? You know, I I would love to hear your thoughts on that, Kristen, because parents I think really are struggling. Is it worth it for my kids to get angry at me when they're fifteen or sixteen? <laughs> Yes. And we have to have a long range perspective. I actually just this week wrote a blog series called Parenting Pitfalls. And just exactly what you're talking about is one of the ones that I addressed. It was um, permissiveness. I feel like parents are very permissive because exactly what you say, they don't want their kid to be upset with them or because everybody else is doing something. Everybody else is going to that co-ed summer party. So, okay, well, I'll just give in, even though I don't think it's right. I see that a lot. And it's, it's really hard to swim upstream in that type of culture, especially when Christians, too, are doing that. But I feel like in, while it's never too late to undo things. If we don't start with boundaries when they're young, it's going to be a whole lot harder when they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so for my kids, I mean, it's been something since they were little, we have not, we have been firm. Um, And so even though we've dealt with these kind of issues, they know um, that our word is our word. They also, we help them understand why it's not good to go to a co-ed slumber party. I mean, we want to talk to them about um, what God's word says. Um, and, and they understand that because we've been building on this for years. I mean, it's just a building block of um, starting when they're younger so that when we get to the teen years and we're dealing with some of these more challenging issues, we already have things in place. Hmm. That's uh, that's a great answer. And, I, I you know, I, I, I want to ask you because I've heard this and I'm sure that any parent out there has heard this a lot. 
And I want to know how you respond to this, um, this accusation that a kid makes when you are told, when you tell them something that is not, that not what they want to hear. And they say, that's not fair. <laughs> how do you address that? Yeah. And we certainly have heard that. Um, you know, I mean, it's easy to just say, well, life isn't fair, but there's more to that. Mm. I mean, we, I want to always take it back to the gospel and explain to them, um, you know, why it's not for their best interest. I mean, we've talked to our daughter when we, when the co-ed slumber party thing came up with her, like how that would then lead into college and beyond just kind of a, um, thinking that it's okay to to it be too comfortable with a boy um, in that kind of setting. Um, and, and we want to protect her. We want to protect her for her husband and to keep her holy. And God, God says to be holy as I am holy. And so we really are, are always going back to his word so that they can see that this is rooted in God's word. And, and a lot of times my daughter would even say things like, well, they're a Christian and they're allowing that. Right. So that's not fair. Well, I always felt like this is not because dad is a pastor that we're saying this. This is because this is what God's word says. So if we're always going back to God's word as the authority, then they can't dispute what, I mean, they can dispute it, but I mean, sure. it falls back ultimately on what God says is true. And that's, that's where he is our authority. And that's where we're getting, where we're telling you that you can't do this. Yeah. I, I love that because the, the truth is that, we're not always going to be their BFFs, especially in those hormonally charged adolescent <laughs> years. Um, but you can be respected. Mm. You can be yes. respected. That's a as great parent. distinction. Yes. Um, you know, they, and I feel like I feel like my kids they don't nag me and badger me about things like that because they know they do respect what we say, and so it's not this thinking that they can just wear me down because that's been my tendency. They know they're not going to wear me down. In fact, normally. If they continue to ask, I just get even more resolute and like, no, I've already told right. you the answer. <laughs> but I will tell you something else that I think is very interesting. Since my daughter's gone away to college um, and has made new friends, um, one of her new friends is a girl who grew up in a household whose parents were the fun, cool parents that would host parties and serve alcohol. And she thought it was awesome when she was a teenager. Well, now she looks back and she had this conversation with my daughter that, that she wonders, like, did they really love me? Like, why didn't they give me boundaries? Were they not worried about me for my safety, for hmm. my spiritual well-being? Um, did they care more about their idol of being the cool parent than they did about me? So that was really eye-opening conversation for my daughter because I think for the first time she was able to now see from the perspective of someone who had what seemed like it would be really awesome to have no curfew and no boundaries. Um, but to hear how how that girl now, and she's not the only one, she said several people say this. I mean, they really wish that their parents had cared enough to give them curfews and boundaries and protect them more um, from going down sinful behaviors. Hmm. I know, Robert, you and I have raised only perfect kids. Only so perfect. Our, our kids <laughs> Pristine. really— Pristine. We, we never, <laughs> never had a struggle with a teenager um, between us. We, we just safely— yeah, perfect. We skipped it. Yeah, yeah. That that it was like childhood, and then fully formed adults, and no problems. I'll tell you, it's it. The teenage years are so complex. They're combustible, man. Yeah. These things like it's there's like uh, mental illness wrapped up with hormone imbalance <laughs> and exactly. like some kind of 
like there's there's these moments where their brain just stops. It's like a like control alt delete. Yeah. And duh. But you know what? I, I love what you you said, and you guys both have kind of echoed this. Is um, when you do explain, you're not explaining for the sake of getting them to necessarily at that moment be on the same page. You're explaining out of respect for them. You're showing right. them respect. And it's not that um, a lot of times I think I'm guilty of trying to, um, I don't know, persuade my kids to like, oh, hmm. oh, dad, yeah, I get it. Thank you for watching out for me. But that, I don't think that's maybe once, maybe once in a million times it's ever happened. But I think it's really important to, to reiterate the reason we do this, the reason we explain is to show them that they are respected and that they, that there is a reason and that it's not bad to ask that question. Um, yeah. Because a lot of times as parents, sometimes we just go, because I said so, that's it. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's appropriate when it gets to the place where it's turning into this debate or this manipulation kind of whatever. There's a place for that. But I love what you guys are talking about in the sense of respecting our kids enough to to tell them the reason, yeah. even if they don't agree. Yeah. And it probably aren't going to agree when they're teenagers. But no. our hope is, and if we're keeping the long-range parenting perspective in mind, is that someday – when they get to college or an adulthood that they will look back and they will be able to see that you did it because you loved them. You mm -hmm. loved them that much that you were willing to not be their friend and to put down these hard boundaries. <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate your practical and, and honest perspective on this. I, I think in the church we can get a little too spiritual for our, our own good. You know, we can overly, uh, spiritualize lofty parenting. Yeah. I mean, and the reality is there are hard choices. There are boundaries that have to be established. There has to be consistency. And then those spiritual values can be transmitted. Mm -hmm. Then they can begin to see the authenticity of your faith. But if, if you're just constantly in the sort of turf war between the, the parent and the child, you, it just, there just never seems to be peace in the home. So that's no. a great encouragement. Kristen, tell us, tell our audience how they can find your books or find out more about you online. Yeah, sure. I um, have my own blog. It's kristenhatton.com. And I usually post at least once a week. I'm on Instagram and Facebook under my name. And then my books, um, New Growth Press is my publisher. So they're all the books are there. They're also on Amazon. Awesome. And the book that you mentioned earlier in our interview was FaceTime. Is that correct? Identity yes. and Worth Issues for Teens. Yes, FaceTime, um, your identity in a selfie world. Um, and it deal it's specifically for girls, but it deals with just kind of all those issues that teen and tween girls struggle with, but it ties it back to who Jesus is for us and why we can rest secure in our identity in him. That's great. Well, thank you for joining us all the way from Oklahoma. And Thank uh, you so much. God bless you for the ministry that you are serving the body of Christ. It's, uh, it's well appreciated. It's great talking to you today. Thank you. Y'all too. Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product. 
Call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You didn't? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah. And so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. Well, Robert, that sounded like uh, a lady who's raised some kids. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, that wasn't uh, that wasn't theory. <laughs> no, and I completely resonate with the idea of you know we we keep up our performances so much, and at some point you just got to go, okay, this isn't helpful. We're not being authentic with our kids, and yeah. So it's good to hear and refreshing to hear that from somebody else, and um, she had a lot of good things to say. Well, I I really appreciate the fact that she, as a pastor's wife was willing to step out and say, you know what, um, we struggle like every other family. With real issues. With real issues, eating disorders and, and serious stuff. And, yeah. we, and we've talked about that on this season mm-hmm. um, with Constance and, and finding balance. I mean, this is a real deal. These are real issues that, that parents are going to face. And I like the fact that she was willing to just own it. Yeah. I do too. And I also like the idea of, you know, when we discuss this going back and forth and not being popular with our kids and, um, and that's okay. Cause when they're in their teenage years, they're whacked out and it drives us to being whacked out or whatever. And, but the relationship that it comes around, I mean, there is hope on the other side. I remember my oldest, you know, there was, there were times that we just didn't see eye to eye. We have an incredibly close relationship now about, um, about a month ago, she sent me a post that she had posted like six years ago or something like that that was on, you know, these social things that, like this anniversary of this date. Well, this post said, um, I will never, don't ever expect a relationship with dad, with me, dad. Like you have no idea what's going on or something like that. she had posted this on social media. And so she sent it to me just as a reminder of how far we've come because, and it wasn't like there was this massive turning point. It's just, they get through this. Yeah. And as long as you're consistent and you maintain pursuing yeah. the heart of our kids, it, it bears fruit. It's just, um, it doesn't seem like it sometimes in the immediate. I think that's a great, great encouragement and timely reminder for someone out there today who's listening. If you've got a child that's an adolescent or even preteens can get kind of cantankerous, uh, you could be in a moment where you've had a just a, an argument or, or you've been in a, a real debate about something they want to do and you know it's not right. Our encouragement, stay strong. Yeah. You know, don't lose your cool. Just stay strong and, and hold that line. And in time, I, and as Kristen said, you know, look at this over the long haul. Yeah. Look at the long view of this. And uh, Robert and I are sitting here to tell you that our kids still – want to be around us. And <laughs> they do. They do, don't they? <laughs> they absolutely yeah. do. They actually still love us and we said and no. And like us. Yeah, and we messed up and we said no and yeah, it's going to be okay. That's the message I guess from today's interview. Thanks for tuning in. We are dependent on you and we appreciate all of your support, encouragement and sharing of our Facebook 
and social media feeds. Uh, we depend on you uh, to let folks know about us. So God bless you. We'll see you here next week uh, with a brand new guest. Robert, any last thoughts? Let's take a nap. All right. It's time for a nap, folks. See you See you next week. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's gonna, it's gonna establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to iShineLive.com and check out in our web store, the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base. So it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9 and it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend, it can be done over a month, or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out. iShine is a faith-based ministry and media company that looks and feels a lot like a Christian version of Disney. iShine is more than entertainment. We're the producer of the largest Christian tween TV series in the world, a nationally syndicated radio show, a Nashville-based record label, host to multiple live tours and summer festivals, an interactive website and social media, and a provider of printed and digital devotionals, preteen Bibles, and church curriculums. But more than anything, we're a trusted Christian resource for parents and pastors. You can turn to us for all things tween. Check us out at iShineLive.com.